Stuff up Saturday, breaking cycles, we rebels. Stuff up Saturday, uplift with love. Stuff up Saturday, breaking cycles, we rebels. Hey everybody, welcome to Self Love Saturday, where loving yourself is an act of rebellion. This is your host, Dr. Nisa Shomo, um, family medicine physician here in Cincinnati, and want to welcome back to the show, Alex Thomas. Welcome back. Hey, y'all. Hey. Where you been? (laughs) (laughs) I've been moving, man. I have literally moved my entire life, literally. I know. I think the last time you were on, that's what we were talking about. We were talking about um, just how going up. I think it was the love journey episode where we talked about. Yeah. I told you we talked about how I moved to Cincinnati to be with my partner, my husband, and been here for twelve years now. And you were going to be moving to go on a journey with your partner and. How's that? Going? And I've completed it. <laughs> the move has finally happened, right? Um, and it's going pretty well. We're uh, three months into this to this lifelong journey, so it's going pretty good. That's awesome. So I know that you know one of the things we talked about in the episode was just like this idea of like just a season of freedom and liberation of mm-hmm. and just really feeling like free to be who you want to be and free to do the things that you really want to do. And for me, so I I think we did that episode in June. And in August, I started getting my hair. um, I started getting red braids. Um, I got it. I started for football season, but I used to have red hair when I was young. So, but it, it made my hair like hair dye can dry your hair out and make it fall out. So that's what happened to me. So I stopped dyeing my hair, but I said, I want to get some red braids. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so after I got my red braids, I was like, I feel like such a badass. Yes. <laughs> I love it. So, you know, it kind of gave me this idea that I wanted to end my season with that kind of theme of just embracing that badass time in your life because yeah. I got promoted this year and I'm doing really yeah. well in my career. And, you know, of course, trying to do more in my um, my business with writing more and speaking more and just trying to get back to myself in that way, because I was doing a bunch of stuff before the pandemic. Right. But mm-hmm. but like, you know, we have our different seasons. So I had kind of like a, you know, chill season, survival season. That's what pa- the pandemic yeah. has been for a lot of people is just trying to survive it. Um, literally and figuratively, you know, <laughs> right? no, but for real, <laughs> Um, but now, you know, I'm really ready to step out, step into this badass season and this badass journey of just knowing what I want out of life and just being like systematic and focused on, on those things. So how are you, how are you doing with that part of your life? Yeah, that's crazy. Cause you know, when we started this conversation, you know, you and I, we can talk for it. We're supposed to be talking for an hour. We typically talk for three. So <laughs> we ended the podcast and started talking for a whole another hour, right? right? So um, you know, I'll be turning 40 in February. And, you know, I I never like looked forward to having a 40th birthday, right? Like I never like had those goals of like, man, when I turn 40, I'm going to do this because I just was living a lot of my 20s and 30s in like survival mode, right? And I didn't think I would ever get here where I am in this season of thriving and headed into this, you know, badass season in my life. And in my badass season, there's so much calm and so much peace. And I'm just like, man, I'm excited to to turn 40 because I finally feel like I'm the adult everybody sees me as, right? right? A lot of people, when they meet me, they have no idea how old I am, but I've always been told that like, you know, I'm wise beyond my years. And But I feel like the grown badass woman that I've grown into right and I'm super excited about that because 
it took a re like literally it feels like it took an eternity for me to be this comfortable with myself as a woman and as an adult to be like, yo, I'm so excited for this new journey and this new season of my life because most people are afraid to turn 40. 40 is like that number where nobody wants to, to talk about it. You know, people are like having, you know, inner crises about it. And I'm just like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited for that. It's, you know, 40 is a, a big number for me. It, It feels good for me. Right. And I've I've felt the same way. And I think that it's kind of one of those things for me. So specializing in geriatrics, I know that 40 is very young, right? I have 80-year-old patients. I have 90-year-old patients. So, you know, thinking about living for 40, 50 more years, you know, and thinking about how much more things you can accomplish in that amount of time is amazing. So I think that a lot of people are afraid because they feel like, oh, I'm getting close to being old. But that's the thing for me as a geriatrician, I feel like there's so much ageism. People really really are afraid of getting older and they don't embrace it in a way that they could. And I feel like a lot of the people who don't embrace it are kind of superficial. And I was, it was kind of around, it was kind of around, you know, July, end of July, beginning of August, um, when Beyonce came out with, renaissance right Mm -hmm. so beyonce beyonce was born in 81 she's the same age as my sister so i think she is 40 was that 41 yep um so you know (laughs) i love the album but there are some interesting things about it and that i feel that sometimes when people get in their 40s um or even in their 30s people start to feel there's like this um, idea of like, I'm getting older and sometimes it can be a little bit of like, well, let me try to act younger. Um, mm. Let me try to look younger. Let me do different things to regress, you know, not necessarily regress, yeah, but yeah. to, to try to regain some youth. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, it's just for me, one of those things is interesting because I don't know, there were some things in the, on the album um, that were just kind of like, but Beyonce, I see you as more than that, you know? Right. And I sure. think that a lot of times people reduce themselves to their body and their aging body. And and they focus a lot on that instead of embracing the wisdom that they've gained. Mm-hmm. Like for mm-hmm. me, looking as young as I do, because I'm I'm almost 40, but most people don't ever think I'm... <laughs> exactly. Most people think I'm like... Some people think I'm in my 20s. People have no idea how old I am. Um but I'm getting close to 40. And for me, like, I really am looking forward to having gray hair. Like, I don't have that many gray hair. <laughs> I love it. I love and it. And I, like, I, um, I just, I know people get gray, you know, some people go gray young, like my, um, right. one of my sisters went gray young. So, I mean, that would, that would be a different situation. But for me as a doctor, there's a lot of ageism in, in doctoring and in that people think that people who are fresh out of school don't know what they're talking about. So for me, looking so young can be a problem because sometimes it Mm. means that I have to spend more time and explain things more to people and increase people's confidence in myself. Mm -hmm. Whereas I'm like, if I had more gray hair, (laughs) (laughs) you believe me. (laughs) So it's just an interesting thing because, you know, I think that that's what helps. That's what, that's what um, keeps people from really embracing that because they're because they focus on all of the things they it's like people in general a lot of times if people are this way where they focus on a lot of the things that they're losing instead yeah, of thinking about the things that they're gaining yeah mm-hmm. yeah no I agree with you I'm I'm excited to uh head into my senora era right like I yeah. you know ah it's so I live such a interesting younger life right I've been a mom since I was 22 and you know I I don't think I ever wanted to be young again right like yeah you know people are like man you've had kids since you were in your 20s you do you miss do you miss your 20s you know I don't miss my I don't 
I don't know enough to have missed anything in my 20s. I have gotten the opportunity to grow these incredible little humans in my 20s. And I've experienced um, some great things in my 20s. I experienced some great things in my 30s, right? Like, and some not so great things in both of those times of my life. But I don't ever want to go back to the younger me because the younger me is not equipped with what the current older me has been equipped with. There are some lessons I don't want to learn again. Right. <laughs> you know, I, no, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I'm excited about the things that I know now, you know, and that I can show someone else. Right. You know, I, I, I can be the, the voice of reason or the, the source of truth or help for someone versus someone having to teach me and to go through that, that, that painful or, or uncomfortable lesson like this is where I think a lot of people like you said don't think about what they're gaining right in their seasoning of themselves versus what they potentially lost in their youth right like I think we tend to um sentence ourselves to well well I'm getting old and these are the things that happen when you get old. No, you can curate what your, your you know, what your life looks like as you age. You right. are in charge of that. But we relinquish ourselves to what we think we're supposed to be doing, you know, or what society or other people say you're supposed to do when you turn 40 and, and above. Right. Yeah, it's it's a lot because, like I said, it's, it's a lot of ageism. So people focus a lot on their appearance and trying right. to look younger and all that sort of thing instead of just embracing the fact that yeah I mean you know wrinkles are a thing and you get older and that sort of thing and nobody really cares you know so yeah it's, just, it's uh it's that but it's also like um people have there's it's kind of interesting because you know I've been talking a lot about hormones and mm-hmm. What I what I what I've realized is that's part of why I like working with older adults, because mm. by the time their their hormones kind of settle in their fifties and sixties, the conversations are different. The mm. conversations with my thirty and forty year olds and twenty year olds are a little more superficial. People are um, the twenties and thirties are definitely a lot more superficial. People are saying, "Hey, Doctor Shomo, you know, I talked about this with Chef Trina that <laughs> when I had her on, we were talking about." cooking and eating and that sort of thing and have, living mm-hmm. a healthy lifestyle they'll say things like hey i know i'm overweight what do you think about getting a liposuction and i'm just like you know that's not sustainable because you're gonna gain the weight back i didn't see plenty of people get right. liposuction <laughs> and, it's, and if it sounds too good to be true it's probably too good to be true yeah yeah and, yeah and that sometimes happens you know with some of my older adults but for them it's not as much that a lot of it has to do with the fact that by that time in their life they've had like near-death experiences and hospitalizations and that sort of thing and so there's a lot I feel like there's a lot more gratitude for their Mm. bodies you know there's there's not as much of that reduction of their bodies to just the physical appearance sure there's a lot more emphasis on the fact that their body is functioning in a way that they're grateful Mm. for because they know they could be a lot worse off and so Mm. you know for me I appreciate that gratitude um and then you know I just feel like there's just a just a lot of hormone shifts that makes people not as prone to people pleasing um Mm. not as not as um um just you know into the in those fantasy worlds of oh well if I do this magical thing then I'll live happily ever after (laughs) that's generally not how I just feel like they're just a lot more realistic so it's a kind of an interesting thing because the conversations with my older adults are just completely completely different than my younger um patients um, and it's, you know, and a lot of them are going through similar things, but it's just interesting that their approach to it is different. Their level of gratitude is different. Um, the the level of boundaries they have with people are different. Um, it's, you know, it's kind of a level, it's a level of you live and you learn, but it's also a level of, you know, I feel like these hormones just be telling us all types of dumb stuff. Because that's the biggest <laughs> thing for me. <laughs> I've, and I feel like the people have a lot of shame about it because that's the biggest thing for yeah. me. Like, everything you just said. You were basically just like, hey, I had some good times in my 20s and some bad times in my 20s and some good times in my 20, 30s and bad times in my 30s. So the the problem is a lot of people have a lot of shame that they feel from their 20s and 30s. Sure. 
Sure. So that's the biggest thing for me. Like, I just don't, I'm sure there were times, I feel like our, our hormones kind of fluctuate like every other year. Some years we feel confident mm-hmm. and badass. Some years, you know, we feel we a little more insecure yeah. and that sort of thing. Um, so they do kind of fluctuate up and down, but I definitely have, you know, just really embraced just the fact that I don't have any regrets. You know, you live and you mm-hmm. learn. I don't have shame. I don't have guilt about things that I've done that, you know, or things that happened that could have been different. You know what I mean? But I think yeah. a lot of times people go into their forties carrying a lot of shame and guilt and regret. And then they hyper-focus on like criticizing and insecurity and focus on like, well, what can mm. I change about myself or what can I do? You know what I mean? It's kind of, it's like, yeah. it's like they take that negative energy and they like, you know, take all those negative thoughts and turn it onto like, well, what can I change about myself? that mm. so I can feel better about this shame and guilt that I feel and it's just like how about you just go to therapy and learn how to work through some of that shame no, and guilt yeah, and let it go crazy. you know a lot of yeah. things people really need to let go a lot of that trauma and really like forgive themselves you know mm. no I agree with you um I did a lot of that from to myself in my 30s I'm not even gonna lie to you um and a lot of it I think was we all did I think we all did, you know. We we definitely all do. I think for me, um, I hadn't I definitely hadn't forgiven myself for things that were beyond my control. And I spent mm, even up until maybe last year, like really not giving myself credit for the things that I have accomplished. Um and also just being able to forgive myself and say those things happened and there is nothing that I was able, that I was going to be able to do about them. And literally within the last several months, it's just been this calm that I felt because I'm like, there, I feel like there has been a sense of forgiveness for myself, looking at all of the things that I've been able to accomplish, you know, um, in my relationship now with, you know, taking care of my girls, even just making more meaningful decisions for myself as far as my health is concerned and really taking the reins of things that I didn't think I had control over because there was a big part of me in my 20s and early 30s where I didn't think I had control over you know, various situations in my, in my life. And I just kind of let things be what they were. And I never forgave myself for that. And now I'm like, okay, I I can't go back. I can't go back. I can't change any of that. But what I can do moving forward is I can give myself a little bit of grace and I can actually move in the direction of the, of my life in the way that I want to. Now I could have done that back then, but that's fine. I can't go back to it. But from here on out, here are the ground rules. Here are the boundaries. And this is what I'm sticking to. Right. And that's the biggest thing. It's like, if you I always, one of the things I tell my patients is that life is an adventure. And if you can embrace life as an adventure and a journey that you're just living and learning every day and trying to be better every day, then you can really... You know, I I always say it's like one big, we're like this human, it's all just one big experiment. I say, we're all just one big experiment. You know, that's what it is. That's what every day really is. (laughs) You're right. One big experiment, you know. One big experiment. And so if you can kind of come from it from a perspective of, well, I tried this and that didn't work. And I tried this and that didn't work. And I learned that this works for now. Um, But if you can really approach it from that kind of level of, just realistic things like there's no perfection and you know you try different things and you try to get it right and you just give yourself grace because we're all just living and learning every day we're all just experimenting and on this adventure and on this journey every day and forever you know like there's (laughs) like you know, there's still people like my dad's 71. So my dad was on my podcast recently and we talked about a bunch of stuff, but he's, you know, there's times when I'm still working with him on trying not to control everything. There's a lot of people who are, you know, I think that's part of it too, is like, 
you have to give yourself grace and you have to have some level of forgiveness of yourself, but you have mm-hmm. to understand that there's just a lot of things you can't control. Like we're just a, we're a huge experiment yeah. and it's an adventure at the same time. And there's just some things you can't control, you know? Yeah. And you have to have some level of realistic expectations about that. And you have yeah. to have some, some level of realistic expectations of, because you can't control everything. You can't always even control how you're going to respond to things, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, that's that's something that I'm actually growing into as far as being able to recognize what I can control and what I can't, right? And being able to, like I said, you know, set some boundaries and give myself a little bit of grace around things because I've spent most of my time being so hard on myself. Um that it didn't it didn't lead me anywhere it never led me anywhere and so now you know if I can't do something because I physically don't feel like it or I physically can't do it then the answer is no right (laughs) and I move on and I don't feel bad anymore and I'm not letting anybody down I had a conversation with a friend of mine and um, I couldn't do something and I felt terrible. And she was like, it's okay. Right. Right. She just said it in a way that I was like, oh, okay. You know, because I felt terrible and it was just, it was out of my control. But she was like, it's really okay. And sometimes you need people to just like unlock that for you sometimes. Right. Because no, it's gonna, and, like, yeah. no matter what, it's gonna be okay. Right. And that's the whole thing. Like, I, um, I think, especially as Black women, we get put in these positions where we have to, where we have to try to function as superhuman. Yeah. But we're not superhuman, you know? So we have to humanize ourselves and say, you mm-hmm. know, we're not perfect. It's one big experiment. I can only control what I can control. You know, we're gonna have good days, bad days, all that sort of thing, and good times and bad times. But mm-hmm. I think more than anything, you know, we have to work on humanizing each other too, as, yeah. as far as saying, hey, you know, you can only take on so much. You can't be everything to everybody. You have to work on yourself. You have to set boundaries and try to figure out what you have control over. Like, what is reasonable? What is a reasonable amount of things to do, um, to to manage, to juggle? Because I feel like so many people are just used to juggling like a thousand things. Yeah. And it's just not realistic. And then you, of course, yeah. you feel like you're failing. Of course, you feel like you're failing when you're trying to yeah. juggle a thousand things. But it's like, it's, it's not so much that you're failing. It's just more that it's a feeling, obviously. But it's more that you're trying to take on too much. And it's just yeah. too much chaos. Because one of the biggest things you said was was peace. And so that's the biggest thing for me. Like, in your badass season that is where it comes from. It comes from a place of peace and it comes from a place of calm. And you can't really get there until you figure out how to set boundaries and simplify your life. So you can actually hear yourself think. Yeah. And hear and, and just, and just kind of like, let it be, you know, there's this organic, you know what I mean? So that's the biggest thing for me. Like people have looked at my career and seen a lot of the things that I've done, but a lot of things that I've done have just been really kind of organic of like just taking a moment to pause and feel where to go. Not necessarily, you know, obviously there's moments to strategize and, and plot, but there's moments of feeling like what is the feeling that I'm having right now? and What moves me and what motivates me? And if you never really take time to rest yep, and sit in those moments of calm then it's mm. hard to really break into your badass season because uh, you're just running around. Like you're on a hamster wheel. Yes. You're running around in circles on a hamster wheel, exhausted and tired, you know? Yes. Yes, absolutely. And that was how I spent a lot of my late 20s, early to mid 30s on this hamster wheel of nothingness that didn't give me greater happiness, that impacted me negatively. Like I wasn't clear 
on what I needed for peace. And now that I am, I'm not letting anything block that, get in the way, step on it, roll it over, girl, throw it out the window. Like, (laughs) now that I know. You're not letting anything disturb your peace. Not, not Not a hair out of place. Right. right? And I'm, I'm just, yeah. And it's one of those things of like, as much as you can control, obviously there's going to be things that disturb your peace that you can't control. But as you get older, like, you know, once you have 40 years of experience under your belt, you learn. So like, to me, that whole idea of like control, like there are certain people who I'm, I don't know that I can control myself around because mm. they just, because they can't control themselves. And so since I don't know how I'm going to respect react to their uncontrollable situations, I try not to right. be around people like that, right? And I try not to put myself in situations that I think could could become risky, you know? Yeah. Because I have yeah. a lot to lose, you know? Absolutely. So you get you you just learn a lot about, you know, setting boundaries around um you you try to avoid people who are chaotic, basically is what I'm saying. Oh yeah. You know, so you try to like keep your little peaceful circle of avoiding chaotic people and really just being intentional. Like I, I think that's the biggest thing, the biggest word for me, other than like being, you know, badass and trying to create calm and rest for myself, just really being intentional, intentional about about my friendships, yeah. intentional yep. about my job opportunities, intentional about, you know, business opportunities, just really moving with intention. Yeah, I agree with you there. Um, You know, I think one of the things that I started doing um, a couple of years ago was telling my friends that I loved them. Yeah. And I don't know where I saw it or read it, but, you know, I I always hated when people said, like, love you or love you. And at the end of a like a message, I intentionally say I love you, because for me, it just it sh- it showed the intentionality around the words. Like I am very, if you are my friend, if you are close to me, I have probably told you I love you before we get off the phone, before I leave you in a conversation if we're in person, right? Be you know. Or I've told, you know, sent you a message and let you know how much you mean to me. That intentionality, you know, has carried me in the last several years because I know what it's like to to not have that, right? To have people say something and not mean it. And I've, I've, I've wanted that to be intentional because a lot of times you hear the phrase, you know, you don't give people their flowers until they've passed away, right? Like, I want the people that mean the most to me to know that they are important to me, right? And so I'm very, very intentional about that. And I feel like, you know, I've I've started doing things that have been very intentional in, you know, in this new journey for me. But that one specifically, that one specifically, I had I started a couple of years ago because I don't need to hear it back, but I need you to know what you mean to me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um no, I completely agree with you. And it's it's interesting because we all we it's interesting that we all have different experiences, right? We we have our own experiments and the the well, we all get to the same place. So for me, and, and we all get there in different time, right? Sure. So that's what the biggest thing for me is like, I don't expect people to be where I am in life mm-hmm. um, because I know that everybody's on their own journey. Everybody's doing their own experiment. Right. So, yeah. but for me, the biggest thing that happened was when I was diagnosed with cervical cancer at 33, that's when I started. Number one, that's when I came off of hormones. So I could see, I felt mm. like I could just, it was kind of like, I can see clearly that. <laughs> <laughs> It's it's so amazing, like how I just like it was like a a a, a light you know flip, um, like a light switch flipped, and I just was. I remember just being like so unhappy in my marriage, and so upset with my husband about nothing, about absolutely nothing, 
And mm. it was just, and so it's just like looking back on it, it just makes me, you know, a little sad thinking, like thinking about how I was upset about nothing. It, I was just irritable, you know? Yeah. But so like after that happened, when I went through my cancer journey, the way that my husband cared for me during that time, I was just like, damn, I'm so lucky that the person that I married, it loves me so much and is just the best person ever. And, you know, I remember just having so much gratitude for him um, during that time for being there for me in the way that he was. And it's just an interesting thing because I feel like there's always people like that who are in your life. And sometimes you can't see how much they do mean to you. Yeah. Yep. And it's a weird, it's a really, really weird thing. Like sometimes, sometimes like different things happen and they make you take a step back and really see somebody for who they are. Yep. Agreed. I agree with you there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, (laughs) I can't, I can't imagine, um, you know, having the journey that you have and I'm glad that you're here. You know, but I understand being able to take a step back and appreciate what someone has poured into you, despite how you may have behaved, (laughs) you know, toward them, you know, because oftentimes we don't get a second chance to redeem ourselves when something happens and or we're going through something and we may shut somebody out or you know, people walk away because they don't think we're grateful, but like, you know, it's, it's an interesting thing to understand gratitude as you get older, because when you're younger, things are fleeting and thank you just is uh, something you say, but as I've gotten older, thank you means so much more to me to say to somebody, right? Um, I have a friend who we had worked together years ago and she said something over the phone to someone who was like a vendor of ours. And she said, I appreciate you. Mm -hmm. And I listened to her say it to several, you know, to other people before, like, you know, thereafter rather. And I adopted that in my conversations with people who were in service of me. And when someone, you know, says, you know, thank you so much for, you know, purchasing something or they've helped me and, you know, I appreciate you. Thank you. Yes. Right. Because a lot of times people don't hear I appreciate you often. They hear thank you, but they don't often hear I appreciate you. And you never know what letting someone know you appreciate them means right. or what it can do and, and how it can change the way that they feel about themselves or even the way that they perform in your job you know what I mean so gratitude has been something that I've really started leaning into and using the phrase I appreciate you when someone has helped me really it it does something for me you know and I also hope that it does something for the other person because you need to hear that sometimes right yeah, I tell my patients that a lot too. They'll be like, I appreciate mm-hmm. you. And I'll say, I appreciate you for being my patient. Because at the end of the day, like the kind of job that I have, like if if I had if people didn't come see me, I wouldn't have a job, you know? Sure. So there's a level of understanding that sort of thing of, you know, being grateful to your customers. Um and there's also just uh, you know, <laughs> this idea of gratitude you know, as I said a little bit earlier is a lot of my older adults, I do feel, I feel, I feel the gratitude from them a lot more. Um, And it's, I'm like, I feel like that's why I like taking care of older adults because I feel like there's, there's more gratitude. There's more genuine. um, Mm -hmm. There's no, there's more genuine intention behind, you know, that relationship. Sure. But, but it's also, it's also one of those things too. I feel like they're, they're super funny. Older adults are super funny. (laughs) <laughs> That's one of the things about living a long time. Like there's, um, so I talked about the blue zones before and they talk about in that book. So part, cause part of like humor is being able to just laugh at the ridiculousness of life. Like sure. life is so ridiculous. And like, so you have to have a good sense of humor to be like, man, do you believe this? You know, 
ish going on right now and just being alive. So like, I always yeah. give my older adults a hard time too. Like we just laugh about all types of stuff. And I, and I laugh with my young patients too. Like I love my young patients too. Um, uh, and we laugh a lot also, but it's just different because like yeah. I'll have people literally, you know, in pain, the hip is aching, that sort of thing. And I'll come in and just make a joke. <laughs> And they just, uh, you know, light up their whole day, you know? Yeah. And they just, that little thing, they appreciate so much because they know that I don't have to do that. They yeah, know of most course. of their doctors don't do that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> so I just, you know, for me, it's just such a connection that I have with them. I've always been an old soul. So sure. just like my timing, my ability to to understand what people, that, that level of emotional intelligence. I can't say that I've always, you know, have the the best display of emotional intelligence because all, everything is like, there's no perfection. We're all human. Sure. Of yep. course, a lot of it depends on the level of sleep, hunger, all that kind of stuff. That people, you know, <laughs> always because people always talk crap about the hospital that's connected to my organization. And it's like, I'm like, they just need like a lot of naps and sandwiches over there. What? <laughs> They're overworked, they're hangry, and they're tired, you know? <laughs> um, so, of course, you know, there's that, no, you know, there's a, there's a baseline level of emotional intelligence that people have, but there's also the ability to, to be able to function at that level by having your needs met, you know? And so that's yeah. why one of the biggest reasons why I try to take care of myself, because, you know, they say you can't pour from an empty cup. But literally, I it's, it would be hard for me. Part of the reason why I'm such a good doctor is because I take care of myself so that I can be in tune with the emotions of my patients, the emotions of my colleagues, um, my, the students that I mentor. You know, sure. it takes it takes a lot to take care of yourself to have to be able to navigate you yeah. know, the, the world around you. And I think that that's part of America's problem is that, like, we're so busy running, 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 running on our hamster wheel not really mm -hmm. moving with intention that you don't even you don't even see the people around you you know you're there yeah. with people around you yeah yeah but you're not actually experiencing those moments together yeah I agree with you right um I you know I've had a lot of opportunity to experience things go by because i didn't think I had the time or I didn't take the time and you know I'll slow down on trying to be on top of everything right like um, I want to be able to experience life right, right? I want to be able to experience things with my girls right. right and you know it's it's so hard when like you said you're running 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 trying to reach something that for the most part most people never reach because yeah. they don't even know what it is right right it's just like a restlessness it's like yeah it's like this really it's like this really internal feeling of restlessness because i felt it before because I, I mean we were we were having this conversation the other day i was telling you about you know a mutual friend that i felt like they were kind of in a restless moment and not yeah. and they they didn't know me when i was in that moment of restlessness myself yeah um but that's the whole thing. Like when you are in those restless moments, there are things you can do to try to get out of them. Of so course. one of the things, one of the things is like going to therapy and trying to figure out how to simplify your life. Number two is like thinking about going to a life coach. So I worked with a life coach at a time when I was kind of at a transition in my career. Mm -hmm. um, and one of the biggest things I learned, so I work with um, Dr. Tony. And one of the things that I learned was just trying to figure out like, you can't, you know, you think about boundaries and saying no to things. Um, but you try to figure out what to say yes to, and you try to learn yeah. how to, how to, how to figure out what exactly are your values. So if you can really figure out what are your values and what you are working toward, like, what is your, what is, you know, one of the things she had me do is just be like, whose career inspires you? Um, mm. and so then it's like, well, how can you move toward that? Or, or these two things are kind of on a different page. So at some point you're going to have to choose, you know? So there was a lot of, I got a lot out of working with somebody to just kind of give you advice, or give me advice about my career and just learning how to, you know, align anything I'm doing instead of, cause I, you know, when I, when you work in, in the kind of job that I have, people are always asking you to do stuff. 
Mm. So you have to figure out when to say yes and when to say no. And that was a really, really hard thing for me in that restless time. So Mm. the more I started figuring out when to say no and when to say yes, the less time I spent on that hamster wheel, because then Mm. I was moving with more intention about, you know, trying not to juggle a million things. And then the last thing I will say is just learning how to like meditate and be still. So, and I never was really able to, I had a hard time meditating. Um, I could do yoga because there's a lot of movement. So that is a good way to, to meditate and take a moment for yourself. But I've been saying, I've been telling a lot of people lately that I went to acupuncture in 2019 for during my cancer journey. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was trying to figure out if I can get pregnant. So I, somebody was like, you should try acupuncture for fertility. So I tried it for fertility. Um, didn't really work out that way. Mostly because, you know, long story. <laughs> I went to all these doctors and specialists mostly to try to figure out because the type of, I said I'm a cervical cancer survivor and a lot of people are cervical cancer survivors and they don't actually talk about it. The reason why I talk about it a lot is because I actually had a very w- rare form of cervical cancer that was borderline okay. uterine cancer. So okay. it was actually way more intense and way more involved than most people's experience with cervical cancer is. So gotcha. it's, a, it's an interesting thing that you know most people can't really relate to. Um, and it's, it's it, it actually it makes it kind of lonely. So it's gotcha. a weird thing because I literally went like a five-year cancer journey that was completely different than most other people, how, how most other people experience cervical cancer. Gotcha. So, gotcha. Wow. so ultimately I found out that my cervix was too short to carry a baby. So I ended up having a hysterectomy because it like, what was like, what's the point of getting pregnant? If you can't, sure. if you can't carry a baby and if you can't even get a cerclage and that sort of thing. But in the meantime, I went to um, a fertility specialist. Like I went to acupuncture for fertility Mm-hmm. So, like I said, it didn't work out after I, after I did acupuncture, I went to two fertility specialists and that's when I learned out that my, that's when I learned that my service was too short. So then I was like, all right, I'm gonna get a hysterectomy, you know, in a couple of years. Um, so looking back on it now though, I had COVID recently and I was feeling just kind of all over the place and restless and chaotic. And I was like, I remember this feeling and I'm like, I feel like that year that I went to acupuncture, I didn't feel that way. Mm. You know? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, let me go back to acupuncture and see how I feel. So I started going back to acupuncture a few weeks ago. And I definitely have felt a lot less chaotic, a lot less restless, a lot more focused and able to accomplish things and just able to move with more intention. Because I think that people don't move with intention because they don't know how to. How to? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. You're so, but it's like, something you have to actively work at. It's something you have to recognize, or you have to listen to other people when they recognize it. And like, hey, your life is doing a lot right now with chaos. You're on the hamster wheel. <laughs> this is an intervention. What can we do to? What can we do to yeah. try to help you work on simplifying your life? It's definitely, especially in America, because I feel like they we value so much. Like I talked to Khadija Grant last time we, she was talking about, she was out here just trying to get money and miss a sleep. And it's just, it's a miserable thing. Like we just value money and trying to be rich and all this sort of thing, but there's way more to life, you know? Yeah, no, I agree with you. So I wanted to add on to, you know, what you said and, and to tack onto it, you know, finding the people in your life who can give you honest feedback, right? Mm -hmm. Like you're out here, looking chaotic and you know just having real people you know because you and I had a conversation right and it just you need real people in your life who can tell you things that you may not want to hear that can help set you straight in your journey right like that's how you find peace that's how you you know are able to set intention in your life and do things in, in a way that are beneficial to you, right? Having real friends and family members who don't have any ulterior motive other than to see you thrive, come to you and be like, listen, you, you're you moving kind of funny. Yeah. And I don't know if you see where you're headed. I'm not trying to tell you where to go, but I'm telling you that this isn't a good look for you. Right. Right. That you it's need just, those that it's just not sustainable. It's yeah. just not sustainable. And yeah. that's the thing for me. Like I'm an Aries. 
So I'm the kind of person that's going to tell you. So for me as an Aries, I have to keep people around me who can who can accept feedback. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Cuz I'm going to give it to you whether you whether yeah. you want it or not. Want and that's not. that's yeah. that's why it's great that that's what I get paid to do. I get paid to give people <laughs> feedback, you know? They yeah. pay me to do that. So Yeah. You know, but I don't I don't do that necessarily in the same way cuz sure. you know, it's kind of funny like uh if I'm around somebody like, like, okay, say for example, my husband has a lot more trouble with food than I do. And I feel like early in a marriage, I was kind of like, you sure, you know, like just being like how rude black people are. You sure you want to eat all of that? Like, <laughs> but at some point, it was just kind of like, that's rude. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. that's not really my job to give him feedback, that kind of feedback. I'm just like, he going to figure it out himself. And he got his own doctor. That's what your doctor's supposed to do. So yeah. I don't, I literally, that kind of feedback, like what's on your plate, just like literal doctor feedback, like yeah. that I get paid to do. I leave that at home. I mean, I mean, not I leave it at home. I leave it at work. I leave yeah. that at work. If you're not paying me to give you actual, that kind of feedback, I, I leave that yeah. alone. I yeah. leave that alone. But as far as like, you know, noticing when somebody seems sad or depressed or noticing when somebody seems anxious or because mental health I know that I know that suicide is a real thing you know yeah and and anxiety is a real thing so for me yeah. if I see someone with like mental health kind of things going on and where they're looking stressed I will tell them that like hey you're looking a little stressed what you know what can we do about that what kind of things have you tried because that's the biggest thing for me like uh, some of it should be a lot of information sharing as far as like, I'm just sharing right now when I was feeling chaotic and restless and tired from COVID, I went and got acupuncture. And there's yeah. other times, like when the pandemic started, when I was, when everybody was feeling anxious, I did a lot of yoga, you know? Yeah. Um, and I was able to meditate and I feel like I was able to meditate better that year after I did acupuncture. So it's just like, there's all types of things that we could try and we have to be open. We have to be open to feedback. We have to be open to trying new things so that we can be better because I think that, you know, we're just so, it's just our society. We're so used to being busy and we don't try to do stuff different, you know? Yeah. Because we're, you know, we're so used to people being like, oh, that's weird. Or why would you do that? Or, right. you know, everybody having an opinion on the things that we're trying to do to create balance and you know, peace in our lives, other people think is stupid or just don't understand. So as opposed to trying things that may be a little unconventional, we're scared because if we have to tell people about it, they may freak out versus thinking about the fact that this could be a game changer for you. Right. This could unlock something that you desperately needed. Right. And that's why, you know, a long time ago, I decided I don't care what people think about the way that I, the, the way that I live my life and the things that I do, as long as I'm not hurting anybody right. or doing anything that could deem, you know, me to go into prison or something, right. I'm going to live my life, you know what I mean? Exactly. The best way that I know how, and I'm going to do the things that make me feel comfortable, right? And that are beneficial to me, right? It's, it's, life is long, but it's also incredibly short. Right. You know, you just never know what tomorrow's going to bring. And, you know, when you mentioned acupuncture um, in our conversation, I was like, man, that's, that's a really great idea, right? Like, why not try something different, right? You, you mentioned hypnosis, you know, just like, what are the things that I could potentially do that may be able to free me from some of the things that have been blockers for me? Right. And I think that for me, what's kind of interesting is that I was raised in a non-traditional family. So yeah. my parents um, converted to Islam in the 70s when a lot of people were doing that. Um, and so, but it's kind of like, it's kind of interesting because when, you know, recently I spoke and I was, somebody was, somebody was saying something about, um, something about it was I don't remember what the conversation was completely but the response that I gave was that I was raised the way that I was raised made me open to trying new things because my parents mm. tried a completely different religion 
So I was raised yeah. in the, kind of this hybrid because my parents were both raised Christian. My mom was raised Catholic. My dad was raised, was raised Baptist. But we were raised as Muslims. Um, but we also went to school with a lot of Jewish um, people in Cleveland because there's a huge Jewish community in Cleveland. And then my parents still had some Christian, you know, things that they did. Like my mom would always try to get us gifts for Christmas. Like we never had Christmas trees or anything like that. But my mom would always try to give us some Christmas gifts. Um, so it was just like um, when you're raised in this, when you're raised with like two different cultures yeah. because because the muslim like muslim uh faith and islamic culture is actually completely different it's it's it's, it's a more middle eastern culture so you know you pray five times a day um so i was i was raised i mean that's kind of like meditation that's kind of like yoga so i was raised in that that's what you did you go to the mosque and you pray and you get on your knees and you kneel and you stretch and we didn't i didn't know that it was stretching but it's but it's meditation five times a right. day you know, yeah. so I was raised in that kind of, uh, and then like, you know, we drank a lot of tea. You don't drink alcohol or smoke in Islamic faith. So you have other stuff. You drink tea. Um, we ate a lot of vegetables, you know, most, I would say sometimes, um, we ate a lot of fast food too, but basically we had a lot of balance and it was just like, it was like an, it was like a lot of experimenting. So I grew yeah. up, I grew up in a family that experimented with a different religion, you know, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and and I went to and I sometimes went to church with my friends, you know? So it's just like growing up in the true melting pot of yeah. America, yeah. you know, we should be open to trying different things. But I think that a lot of us are raised, you know, and just in a and I feel like a lot of times when people people's grandparents' cultures are different than their phone than their home culture, that sort of stuff. Yeah. So I think we're course. open to that kind of thing. But I like just the way I was raised, like I was raised completely in a whole other culture in America, you know, yeah. so it was just a different experience. So, it, it, you know, when somebody said, hey, you should try acupuncture. I was like, oh, yeah, sure. I'll go try that. You know, it wasn't it wasn't even like a it wasn't even like a second thought for me. Somebody was like, sure. oh, you should try this. And I was like, oh, yeah, absolutely. Because I grew up doing stuff like experimenting, doing all types of different things, you know, my whole life. So. But I think that so many so many people are raised so traditionally and they've had generations and generations of traditions yep. that are hurting us, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, at what point do you try something different? Like one of the things I remember as a child that kind of struck me when you think about like media. Remember on um remember on what's love got to do with it? Remember when she started doing that Buddhist chanting? Yeah. Yeah, I do. Like her, her friend was like, "Hey, you got to try this Buddhist chanting." I remember and that, and it changed her life. It sure did. It really did. And that's what I'm saying. Like, I transitioned my life to an entirely new city and state, and it has completely like changed, you know, everything for me. Not just because I moved, but just because like. There's a different set of like, you know, skills and just like life skills and things that, you know, you just grow differently when you change something drastic for yourself. Right. Right. Like you, I have moved into an, an area of my life that's very new for me and I just did it. And here we are. And I'm like, man. What would have happened, you know what I mean? What would have happened had I done this years ago? Right. Right. And now I get to experience it. And it's been one of the best things that I've ever done for myself and has opened me up to being able to look at my life and say, these are the things that I want to do moving forward. Right. Like that right. was huge for her. This right. is huge for me. And, you know, I'm glad I granted myself the opportunity to do this, right? right? Because I didn't have to. I could have stayed where I was and there was nothing wrong with where I was. But this is a movement into, you know, who I want to become. Right. Right. It's we like a growing scene. Yeah. Well, yeah. You know? so, it's, so that's the biggest thing. Like we all, like the Michelle Obama book becoming, like we're all, every day we're growing up. You know, we're all growing up every day and you have to take 
opportunities to grow in a different way. You know, you think about, for me, that's the, that's the whole reason why I, I live in Cincinnati. And that's why I never left because, you know, yeah. it's something about going to a new city where you don't really know anybody and having to make your own mm-hmm. path. Yeah. But the other big reason why I live here is because there are, I don't know, it's such a fighter spirit here. So mm. I grew up, I grew up in Cleveland where there's quite a, a fighter spirit in Cleveland. In Columbus, there's really not that same kind of fighter spirit. So I, I did want to move back to Columbus, but it's funny. I told one of the medical students today that um, my husband, I wanted to move back to Columbus. My yeah. husband said, he said, they don't really need us in Columbus. He said that, you know, the Cincinnati has a lot of problems. And mm. we can do a lot of great work here. They need people mm. here who can be dedicated to doing work here. Gotcha. And it's amazing because most people wouldn't expect my husband to say something like that because he's super quiet. Um, <laughs> but people don't, I mean, he's been on my podcast a couple of times. So people don't understand sure. like how introspective and strategic and intentional he is. Mm. Um, because that's why he came to Cincinnati in the first place. He was recruited here and he felt that they were intentional in recruiting him here, you know? Mm. And so, and recruiting other, you know, black medical students here and he felt that intentionality. And when we had an opportunity to move anywhere, he was intentional in saying, no, we should stay here because we can do a lot of great work here and move with intention in this city and, and have a better impact in this community than we could in Columbus because it's not the same. And I, I really feel that we've done a lot of great work. And we meet everything to our patients. And just the work we've done with mentoring, though, as well, like raising up the next generation, because that's the thing, like yeah. beyond, you know, of course, we're taking great care of our patients and work in our communities. But people don't know the work that we're doing to grow the next generation of Black doctors as well. Yeah, which is necessary. <laughs> we yes. need them and we need people who are dedicated to that, right? Like, that's so important to be able to give you know, your knowledge and, you know. And just affirm them and just affirm them. And, and, you know, that's, that's the whole thing about, you know, even the badass journey, your badass journey, you have to embrace it because you have to inspire the next generation of badass people. Right. And you have to pour into them. You have to pour into yourself. You have to pour into your friends. You have to pour into your mentees, you know, because, especially the times when they're not feeling like a badass, like you have to, you have to tell them that. Um, and you have yeah. to be the example of no, like we can go and be fearless and we can accomplish a lot of things by being intentional in that. And by, um, and by the power in numbers, you know, the strength in numbers, because man, it's so crazy. Um, I was recently contacted by Cincinnati magazine for the work that I'm doing. And (laughs) yeah, so it's you know I've I've talked about it on my page before, but I'm the I'm the president of Black Doctors Association here, and I'm about to be making a lot of big moves um, with with that with the work that I'm doing as far as trying to raise the next generation of Black doctors here in Cincinnati um, and recruit them here. You know, so I think that part of your badass season is just understanding that you have to embrace it for yourself you have to embrace it for the people who are watching yeah and and more than anything you have to surround yourself with people who understand that journey and Mm -hmm. who can support it because like somebody okay so i'll I posted um that I posted like pictures at the Harold Harold Beauty Con. <laughs> yeah. Somebody was just like, "Oh, your husband's super lucky man," and it's just like, "Yeah, I'm a super lucky woman as well." Because people have no idea how much my husband supports me. Like he yeah. thinks I'm the most adorable person ever in the world. <laughs> I make all these crazy videos. He watches my videos. <laughs> He's like, "You're so adorable." Like when I first started my podcast, like he bought me equipment, you know what I mean? Like he's more of the behind the scenes kind of person. And people, so people have like, I'm like, but I literally don't know how to do anything. He does everything. You know, like (laughs) people are like, oh, your husband's a lucky man. It's like, no, I'm, I'm the lucky one. (laughs) (laughs) So it's just like, you know, it's like, 
you have to have a, a support a, a people who are supporting you and in, in your badass journey and helping you help and uplift you when you yeah. don't feel like a badass too you know yeah agreed yeah that's and that was one of the things that you know kind of hit me today I was um dealing with a situation earlier but I have a text thread that has my sister-in-law my sister and my cousin my oldest cousin on it and we call ourselves the unicorn squad and yeah. <laughs> we're all moms and we you know send each other crazy stuff all the time but also the you know our text thread is very much a huge support system right we are all, in all walks of our motherhood from very young children to teenagers and, you know, giving each other sound advice and just being there and being of support for one another, no matter what, in, encouraging each other, right? Like, that's my group, right? right? These are the women that I can't wait to grow old with so we can talk about the stuff our kids did Right. When, you know, they were younger, right? right? Like this is what when you say you have friends and, and people who support you, these are the women that I look to, you know. Right. Like you are one of the, the women that I look to because I know that if I ask you a question or if you see something or you feel something isn't right with me, you're gonna tell me. Right. Surrounding yourself with with people, men or women, for me, it's, it's mostly women um, who just show up for you because right. you can't get through any journey. Nevertheless, you're badass one without people who are just rock solid, who can who can be what you need them to be in your season. Right. And that's incredibly important. Right. No matter what you people need people, but right. rock solid people who, you know, are a phone call away. Right. You know. Right. And that's the whole thing. Like. As humans, that's how we that's how we existed, just like how like how like how wolves are. We are pack mm-hmm. animals. Mm-hmm. Um, we are we're we're pack animals and we need each other to lean on each other but it's it's great when you can align when you can be like on the same page with people because I think that's what's hard sometimes when you're in your badass season is that other people may not be there and so they may be you know just feeling insecure like I said I feel like the hormones cycle a little bit so sometimes people may be on their badass year while other people are kind of on their insecure year um, and you try to and you try to figure out like how to support people in those moments um, and just even give feedback and give them space because sometimes people just need a little bit of space in those moments yeah. um, and and then, you know, and going to surround yourself with people who can support you in whatever season you're in. Because that's the thing. It's really I feel like a lot of a lot of that, you know, thing that we go through in our society um, with friends and all that sort of thing not being on the same page is that people are just in different seasons yeah you know and so you just uh you try to surround yourself with people who are in their badass season as well because they will be more able to embrace you uplift you give you good advice um versus when people are in that more insecure season they 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 may just need more listening ears and that sort of thing you know Agreed. So it's just for me, it's, it's trying to really understand where people are in their journey. And it's for people to really understand where they are as well and try to figure out how to take the steps from getting in those moments when they're not feeling like a badass, trying to get there um, when they're feeling more in that rat race and that hamster wheel, trying to figure out how to get out of there. Um, and, you know, yeah, you know, my motto is uplift with love and break cycles. So often people Period. have to figure out how to break those cycles for themselves so that they can actually feel uplifted with love because there's times yeah. when people we try to uplift people but they're not feeling it because they're in a they're in a whole different season in a in a you know hamster wheel you know yeah so yeah. it's hard to feel like you're being uplifted when you're in a hamster wheel um so it's just one of those things i understand and sometimes you know 
you you give them advice or you give them space. So people just need different things at different moments. But I'm really happy that we're both in our badass badass season yeah. at the same time. <laughs> Period. I'm so excited. I, I, you know what I mean? I love being, you know, in the same season as my friends because we get to enjoy life together in that way, right? Exactly. Yeah. And it's just so much. There's so much more um, that you can do when your friends are in the same place as you, right? And right. there's nothing wrong with people being in a different season in time than you are, absolutely, because we can't all be together at the same time. But like, right. there's just a larger connection that you feel when someone is closer in life where, you know, where you are, or right. they're headed on a journey that's closer in life to where you are. And it feels good to have someone to share that with, you exactly, know, friends yeah. to be able to share that with. For sure. Yep, yep. Well, I'm glad to, I can share this journey with you and I'm really looking yes, forward to, you know, continuing our badass season and our badass yes, journey, yes. see where that, <laughs> see where we land. I'm, I'm really looking yes. forward to next year. It's going to be a, it's going to be a great year. I'm really excited for it. Thank so you. thank you for being a part of, a part of my season, a part of my journey. We're going to. You're welcome, sweetie. I love it here. Double the badass, double the fun. no but i i really i really appreciate you and i appreciate your time and how many times you've been on this uh this season and i'm really looking forward to next year i am so excited to have been here i can't wait to do more and i love you so very much and i appreciate you so very much i love you too all right. Well, hope you all have a great self-love Saturday. And remember that loving yourself is an act of rebellion. And we will see you all next season. Bye. Self-love Saturday. Help live with love. Self-love Saturday. Break the cycles. We rebels. Self-love Saturday. Help live with love. Self-love Saturday. Break the cycles. We rebels.